Hello, boys, and welcome back to yet another version of the Doughboys Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Henn. I'll introduce my my uh, uh, you know colleague, my other Doughboy, uh, here in a moment. Um, but we're excited to be back with you. It's gonna be it's gonna be an awesome week. So, uh, Matt, you want to step in and introduce yourself again? Can I get a woo woo. Let me hear you say wayo. Wayo. All right. I think I heard everybody else say it too. Yeah, I know they did, especially Mike. Yeah. Um, yeah, feeling good. Excited to be back. Enjoyed the uh, financial literacy session that we got last week. Um, That's true. Honestly, I'm still disappointed that uh, I I still haven't gotten a text message from Sloan about my house. So, yeah. you know, it's been an entire seven days. Uh, so, you know, I see where I rank, but yeah, it's I, I, at least uh, at least you don't have to speculate uh, where you rank. So, yeah, he's, he's uh, my, I realize my house isn't that big, guys. All right. But that doesn't make me any less of a homeowner. <laughs> You're one of the original homeowners, too. Yeah, I, I shoot. I especially appreciated too how the financial discussion uh, carried over into the into the group meet later in the week too, with lots of bond talk. Right. Shout out. I mean, I love you know as as one. I honestly, as the only boy, eh, that's not true. Myself, on good. Zach, I guess. Is, I mean, I'm still in the math realm, but myself, on good, Zach. Uh, I'm honestly not really sure what Adam does for a living, but I think you could throw him in the bunch too. Like as the four of us who just, and Tommy, you know, who aren't so five of us just like in the financial stuff. I really enjoy just like watching and reading all the, this financial jargon that you guys throw back and forth. I'm just like, man, those are my friends. I don't feel like I should be uh, wrapped in with them because uh, you have, you have a, so you I don't have, have to. A, you have a degree in economics. Well, that's that's true, <laughs> but uh, I wouldn't exactly say that I earned it. I would say I scrapped hey. and clawed my way to it. Hot dogs, uh, hot dogs, and hot dog buns. Yeah, that's hey, that's true. Supply and demand, baby. That's all I learned. <laughs> I had no idea going into my, my economics degree quite how much calculus was involved. <laughs> I still I was doing econ to avoid calculus. I can still remember you being like, hey, I'm going to take an Ivy Tech Calc 2 course <laughs> just so I can get a credit. That was the best thing that I ever did because literally I would take all these practice exams and it would be, you know, they would give you like a sample solution. Obviously, this was not one of the examples, but it would be like 2x plus 3 equals 9. And uh, when you got to the actual um you know, the actual exam, it would be like 4x plus 6 equals 16. And I quickly figured out that there was like a pattern where if, you know, the first number increased by 2, the answer increased by like a certain amount as well. Obviously, they were much more complicated than the one I just gave. Right. But uh, I really faked my way to that, that, uh, that grade. I think I got like a 98% in that. <laughs> I was going to say, you had no business doing that. Me- meanwhile, I'm a math major at Purdue. Like, I come out of the Calc 2 final, and I'm like, oh, my God, that was the hardest test I've ever taken in my life. Yeah. Barely scraped by with, like, a B. Maybe even gotten a B- minus because I bombed the final so hard. 
but yeah i just think about yeah go ahead i was gonna say i I think about all my math students (laughs) my students freaking they i mean they don't even like do anything that we do like i give them a review guide and some of the questions are like literally verbatim the exact same like word for word the exact same story problem the exact same thing but instead of like you know johnny buying five apples he bought seven or something like that and they still just shit the bed on the test (laughs) it sounds like high schoolers to me but uh i was just gonna say like the the i think the reason that i pay a financial advisor to do that stuff for me is because uh i did not pay attention in calc two and i did not pay attention in my econ courses i did just enough to get by and now i uh, can't do that work for myself so a big round of applause to all of the rest of you that are putting in the the time and effort to uh, control your own finances right so, fortunate I'm, enough for myself i don't make enough money to even worry about doing all that so and that's hey we we all we all have our own path in life. I'm in the, I'm in the service industry. I my I I make money of the heart. <laughs> that is very true. You do. I, I would say you have the most uh, honorable profession amongst the boys. So, um, we I I would say we have a lot of dishonorable professions amongst the boys. I literally I uh, I sell um, uh, sugar water that gives people uh, diabetes and and uh, erodes their teeth. Right. Uh, we have a lawyer amongst our group. Yeah, shady uh, piece of garbage. <laughs> we we have one guy that uh, creates uh, video games that supposedly rots, you know, rots kids' brains. Um, what else do we have amongst the? Oh, we have a we, uh, have... we have a pharmacist who gets people hooked on freaking opioids. True. We we also have uh, an actuary who uh, you know does everything they can to not pay out medical claims to people. Yeah. So just, there's that. Just despicable. Yeah. That's true. Do we I, I I guess I can maybe give Adam a pass because Adam works in, in automotive industry. So he at least, you know, is is in the process of or hopefully in the process of making like safer cars for people and you know, like at least he's producing a need for for society. That's true. So I can I can I can get behind that. Yeah, I, I I'll I'll give him he's a he's maybe neutral, I, right? It's not it's not teacher level, but it's also not you know uh, sort of pop vendor level. So shoot, um, not only am I teacher level, I'm almost like urban teacher level. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, Avon's true. Avon's demographic is like fifty six forty four white versus non white. True. So yeah. That's very true. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great profession. Um, shall we, shall we move on here? Yeah. Speaking of great professions, let's talk about our second jobs as fantasy football. That's true. Team general managers. I would say it's probably the job that I put more effort and, you know, more effort into and more research into. Yep. <laughs> I, to get us kicked off here, I, I will, say that my favorite part about this last week was the little doughboy wombo combo that you and I put on the league these last two weeks. You come in first one week, I come in first the next week. We just gave them the old left right hook. Oh yeah. And and let's not act like the football gods didn't see this coming. Uh Sloan hops in on a podcast, talks about how 
gaining weight and being fat is like the worst thing in the world. And then who gets rewarded with back-to-back first place finishes? The two largest members of the group. So (laughs) that's true. Yeah. And Sloan now loses a quarterback to a torn Achilles. Like, yeah, you know, uh, I would, I, I, I would hate to spite the, uh, the fantasy football gods here, but uh, you know what I think would potentially be one of the, my biggest fears in life. I'd be going bald. So I'm wondering if we're going to get a little Sloan Mike action here in the next two weeks. I mean, that's, that's just a disservice to the likes of like Josh and myself. Eh, You guys, as far as, I mean, right now I currently have hair, but well, at least compare yourself to Mike and Sloan. I can't. I'm, well, we're not at that level. Josh and I are just like developing the power alley. <laughs> you know, like I will say, after Josh did talk about, they had that episode when they talked about the baldness thing. It, I was definitely this past summer. Like that's when I really like. I knew my like hairline was moving back, but this past summer, I was like, holy crap! Like I'm shampooing and I've got like dozens of hairs on my hand. I'm like, dude, I am thinning out right now. And I was researching all this stuff on how to avoid it. And I was like, you know, I am too late in the game to be starting anything right now. What's that? Are you uh, steering into the skid here? Yeah, possibly. I mean, like you said, I got hair on my head. Like, it's not like I've got a, you know, full full fledged like patch going on up top, but the writing is on the wall and uh, acceptance has been made. So that's, that's fair. Do you think you'll go with the full shave like Sloan did like way too early? Oh, not way too early. Um, honestly, I feel like the move that I'll make is once like, cause I don't think, I mean, I don't think I'm like Mike where like the back of my head is really like shining. I think it's more just like moving from the top back. I definitely don't want to end up with like the cul-de-sac action where it's like <laughs> nothing on top, but hair all the way around. So what I'll the probably, end up, yeah, the berry wood, <laughs> I'll probably turn into a dude that like, because I still have hair, but it, not a ton of it. I'll probably be the guy that just like buzzes his hair and has like, you know, it's like the level of like a one or a two, maybe just like all the way around. So it's like, that's my fair. hair's my hair's dark enough. So it's like, you can tell I have hair, but it's like, Oh yeah. You know, Matt just does that look. So I feel like my head's way too big to be bald anyways. Uh, yeah, that's that's probably fair. I feel like the beard would compensate though. I'm gonna so. scare scare small children when I walk out <laughs> in the street. I don't think you have anything to be scared of. But uh okay, time to move on. We already talked about Doughboys Wombo combo. I think it's time we jump into a Doughboys trade that happened today. They're Ooh. few and far between. They have happened before. Yep. Uh, I feel like we're 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 fairly good trade partners in terms of of our value of players. So I would say overall league reaction, you know, to to the trade was was slanted in my favor. So I will I will give you the floor first, uh, just to review. Um, I received Chuba Hubbard and Josh's second round pick this year, and Matt receives Taylor Heineke and. What I believe is whose fourth was Mike's, it? Mike's fourth. Mike's, yeah, fourth, Mike's yeah. fourth. So, uh, yeah, go ahead. You can uh, you take the floor. You know, give your give your thoughts on the deal. Yeah, I mean, I know Josh called us out in the group me 
Um, I got a text from another member of the league, just like, I'm confused on why you did this. Um, you know, in my, in my mind, like, I, you know, I'm not worried about going to Waffle House, like, in any stretch of the imagination. Um, obviously things can change, but I have no fear of that. Honestly, my main mission right now, like playoffs are, I don't know if you guys could hear all of that, but Winnie is like aggressively attacking our couch <laughs> and now she's just staring at me. <laughs> chill girl. Um, I don't think I'm going to make the playoffs, but if there's even an outside chance that I do, it's going to have to be because I have two quarterbacks. I have acquired a lot of picks. Josh's second is, you know, in my mind, and we talked about this, the equivalent, like basically the equivalent of an early third. And that's what initially we had discussed in our trade. Um, So getting the fourth round pick back, which for Mike is going to be an early fourth. Like at that point in the draft, you're shooting in the dark anyways. So that's not really a big deal for me, um, but getting that quarterback, I liked what Heineke did with the commanders last year. He's been a reputable backup anyways. So even if he only finishes the league with the Falcons, I have no reservations that he's going to get picked up by somebody else. Maybe he's like that cheapo veteran that somebody signs because they drafted a rookie who's not ready this year. And he's like the bridge quarterback for next year. But yep. after, after acquiring Desmond Ritter, I now, I mean, I don't seeing your guy get benched halfway through and his like de facto full year starting, like that's not a good look. So I was fine to part ways with like the late second, get an early fourth. The fourth is going to go on my taxi squad. Anyways, I already have two up. Like I'm going to end up with, early seconds and a first still. So, you know, I, I wanted the quarterback. Like I said, even if there's a 1% chance I make the playoffs, I would need a quarterback for week 13. Yeah. Tommy's team is still sputtering. You're going to hit some crazy buys with some, in fact, impactful people. So, yep. you know, wilder things have happened. Um, but and losing Chuba Hubbard, I've had him. He was an original draft pick. I don't really value him high at all, as you can see by this trade. Like, he gives you a guy that you could potentially start. Miles Sanders is back from injury, so he's going to be splitting carries. Um, he's had, like, one pretty solid game in terms of points scored um, where he, like, had a bunch of rushing yards and a touchdown. But outside of that, it's not like he does a ton. If the, you know, if the Panthers really liked Hubbard, then they probably don't go out and get Sanders in the first place, anyways. So definitely, yeah, yeah. I I can say from my side, like I, uh, Hubbard was kind of a, kind of a throw into me. Like I view him very similarly to the way I view Zeke Elliott and and uh, Latavius Murray in terms of you know I'm probably it's going to be a rotating door at that RB2 spot for me. And he's just kind of another option in that, in that area. I don't see him as a long-term asset, uh, you know, maybe beyond this year. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I needed just, you know, another warm body in my running back room to give me options. And uh, to me, this trade was all about the, about the second round pick. I, I, I don't necessarily expect to make the playoffs this year. Um, but I, I think, I think my team has a shot next year and I want to, 
uh, be able to build some depth uh, with my roster to be able to, you know, s- overcome some injuries, overcome bye weeks. Like, you know, I just feel like unless I have my my original starting starting 10, whatever it is, starting nine, starting 10 out there every week, I don't have a chance. Like I, I, you know, I struggle during bye weeks. I struggle with any kind of injury. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I just don't have the depth to overcome, you know, those absences. Uh, so to me, like those second round picks are, are just so valuable because I need to build, you know, a little bit more depth. Um, I don't have the depth of, of, of other, you know, contending teams. Um, and I wouldn't put myself in that category yet, just to be clear, but I just, you know, to be able to get there, I think I need depth. So that, that was why, you know, why I made the deal. Um, Heineke doesn't, I, I would argue Heineke probably carries more value to you than anybody else in the league because he's, you know, because you now guarantee yourself three, you know, multiple starting quarterbacks, you know, through through the rest of the season barring injuries. So like you, you have that Falcons QB room, um, you know, I, I agree with you that I don't necessarily think Taylor Heineke is like a starter for Atlanta next year, but I he strikes me as the type of guy that could have like a Ryan Fitzpatrick type season, like or you know type career, where you know every year he's he's starting on you know another team, and you just you hold him, you play him whenever he you know takes over for for some bad starter, and that's all you need from him. So, and as we've as we've learned, starting QBs are the most valuable part of this league. So. Um, yeah, th- I'm sure this will be a trade that we will reevaluate in the future. But uh, it was good doing business business with you. We'll see. We'll see which way this one this one goes. Um, yeah. What were your thoughts on the uh, the week eight performance and the the week eight uh, you know the the ensuing results from the league? Yeah, I was um, just looking at the table, and so you just brought it up. Yeah. Um, you know. Looking, if you look at like all of the previous weeks, right? Every week so far, the team that has come in last has been only a double digit scorer. And so as the week went on, I was like, oh man, I'm going to be triple digits. I'm going to be triple digits. Like I'm feeling pretty good that yep. I'm not going to come in last. Like I know there are people who are only going to get double digits because that's how it's been every week. Like week one, there was, you know, six people that were double digits. Week two, boom week for everybody except for on good. But then week three, like multiple double digits. Week four, multiple double digits. Same thing in five, six, seven. And then we get to week eight and I'm tossing up 104.7. And like I am scraping to try and outpace Colin and Mike's right down there with us. So, you know, I felt like getting that triple digit mark kind of saved me from being at like the very, very bottom. And here Colin, Mike and myself are like scratching to try and not get one point. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, every single week, I, I view that hundred, you know, hundred to 110 point mark as a huge threshold between you know, between a bottom tier week and a, you know, a, a, at least a middling performance and during a down week can even be a, you know, top quarter of the league performance. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like that, that really just has to sting for, for your guys, three teams to put up that, those kind of points to like get, you know, f- pretty good performances from some of your players uh, and, and to still walk away with only one, two, three table points, that's that's really tough. Obviously, I'm you know personally thrilled that my team decided to choose this week to 
to, to go off. It especially was a huge help uh, that Tommy finished, you know, a little bit farther down the bracket. He got so close to passing on good too. I was really, you know, really glad that he uh, was not able to do that. Um, and, and uh, I think it's, you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting next couple of weeks here because, you know, we're, we're at another spot in the table where like uh, Sloan has completely, started to pull away from, from Dylan and Josh. Like he's now got a nine and 10 point, you know, lead over both of them, which as we've discussed, like those gaps can be closed, but impressive performances from Sloan to be able to put some distance between them. Um, you know, Tommy has slipped, you know, he's now seven points behind Josh. Uh, I'm, I'm 12 points behind Tommy. You're 14 points behind Tommy. So, uh, you know, and I would even include Austin. This Austin is 16 points behind Tommy. Like I think all three of us, have a chance, I would still put, you know, Tommy at probably a 70% chance to make the playoffs, if not, you know, maybe even a little bit better, Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, I mean, he's within striking distance at least. And uh, you know, he's, these last two weeks have been really rough for him. And if it continues, you know, there, we might be able to make up some ground. We'll see. Um, I think one of the most interesting parts too, like, you know, we've talked about in the past is the bottom of the table. Colin at 28, Michael at 27, Angad at 24. I believe, and I, you correct me if I'm wrong, I think that Colin is closer to Waffle House now than when he made the Devontae, when he acquired Devontae Adams from me, you know, what is it, maybe five weeks ago at this point. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty confident that he was more than four points out of last place when he made that deal. Do you happen to remember? Uh, I don't exactly know how many points that was. Because I want to say. I'll go back and see if I can find it in the chat. Well, it was. So we made. Well, he was. When we. When you acquired. When he acquired Devontae Adams, that was like week three or week four. Like that was really early in the year. And then Colin took off. So him. Like he definitely outpaced Ongood way before that. the The deal of the matter is the Colin and Josh trade that happened like two, maybe three weeks ago, when Colin sent away Stefan Diggs, CD Lamb, and Devonte for those firsts that he got back and all of that stuff. Because if you go back to the table from then. Like, like I said, I don't know necessary, necessarily exactly when that happened. I know you're pulling it up right now, but yeah. I'm going to assume, let's just say that happened after week five. Yeah. Right. Over the last three weeks, Colin has put up a collective 10 points. Ongood has also put up a collective 10 points. So like technically they're even there, but in terms of like the last couple of weeks, like Colin has gone a third to last and a last, whereas on good has gotten four points and five points the last two weeks. So if we're talking like data trends on good is, has moved, has been reeling in Colin the last two weeks, you know, you look at, I mean, talk about, we talk about consistency and like how crazy consistent Sloan has been every week. He's finished top four, except for one, Four first place finishes, you know, ton of that stuff. Mike's finishes every week. 
five, three, two, three, 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 five, three. Yeah. Like the definition of I'm not going to come in last, but don't expect me anywhere in the top half. Yeah. Definitely. So, I mean, if he can keep that, like not having the volatility that on good and Colin have had, um, might be what, you know, what saves him. But yeah, we want to talk I, about trends. Austin. Yeah. Since Jonathan Taylor came back and Saquon came back, Austin has put up 20 points in the last three weeks. Yeah. In the first five, he had 17. Yeah, definitely. It's it, it's been a big turnaround. And I will say I was I was dead wrong. I apologize. Colin was in last place when he made the Devontae Adams deal. So I, I retract that. I think I was probably getting mixed up with when he traded it back. But anyway, um, you know, it third weekend of the season, he was he was, you know, he had only scored five table points. So um, you know, Devontae Adams certainly got him out, but now I'm curious, you know, if if he maybe dealt him, you know, too early if if his goal is to avoid Waffle House. Um, but you're right. I mean, Austin has totally turned it around. Um, you know, we've had had some, you know, again, really impressive, steady perform- performances from Sloan. Got to give him props. Uh, for the rest of us, it's been, you know, Mike's been steady in the middle, like you mentioned. Everybody else has been kind of up and down. It's been an interesting season. Um, definitely. Any other thoughts on the standings or, or the week eight results? Nope. Okay. So this is uh, this is the last podcast that we will have before the trade deadline because the next time if i if i'm doing this correctly the next time you and i talk we'll be be, going into week 11 right which will mean that you know the the trade deadline had occurred you know probably two or three days before we record correct so uh do you want to give me any any predictions or uh you know uh stuff that you expect to see come trade deadline time it's crazy because if you had asked me two weeks ago, I would have told you that Austin was a like a, a thousand percent a seller. Yeah. And I know, you know, Josh had kind of referenced um when him and Sloan were arguing about, you know, trading your best player, should on good trade Dak, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, what about Austin trading away Saquon? Yeah. Or something like that. And you know, teams at the top specifically Sloan and Tommy are kind of suffering from some minor injuries. Obviously Sloan has a huge bye week this week with no 49ers. Um, You know, I think, I mean, if the bottom stays at the bottom and Tommy and Sloan don't perform too like great, like especially Tommy, like, I mean, you and Austin can make some serious bounds in the table. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think, I don't know. I'm not trying to convince Austin that he should be a buyer, but I think Austin's like mindset. I think he should consider it. Yeah. You know, I don't yeah. know what type of asset he'd want to give up to do and try to acquire stuff to, but you know, if he's wanting to make the playoffs great, but I also don't think like for anybody not named Josh Dillon and Sloan, there's really no like desire or like, I don't know, like yeah. fire under our butts to say, I have to go by cause I need to be in the playoffs. Like any of our teams make the playoffs. We're talking about a, you know, 
a make-a-wish blind kid heaving it from full court, <laughs> making it if we're going to win the playoffs. So Tommy that's Luce that's from true. way downtown against Illinois, like that's the only shot we got. That's very true. I I actually think it's going to be a pretty quiet deadline. I think you and I are going to be on here in two weeks talking about like, you know, maybe uh, whatever, maybe Josh and and making a edges move with his bench or something, or you know maybe. Mike and I make a deal for some assets, something along those lines. But the thing is like, you know, if it, you got to have buyers and you got to have sellers to your point. I'm not sure there's going to be that many buyers because, you know, uh, Sloan, Josh Dillon don't, they don't need a buy to get in the, in the playoffs. You know, maybe, maybe a Sloan looks to buy like a, a, a more, you know, consistent, uh, flex option you know or some more depth just in case he gets injuries in the playoffs um you know maybe he looks to deal like his um you know some of his his mid picks you know mid-round picks or maybe his first next year or something like that to be able to to maybe put himself you know more firmly uh in in you know the top playoff spot um but like i don't necessarily think any of them need to buy um and you know tommy i don't envision him you know, making moves. He's, he's typically one to just kind of make moves around the edges. Um, you know, like we mentioned, you know, if, if you flip it to the bottom where you're looking at sellers, like they were talking about last week, like Angad seems like he's going to be pretty, pretty content to just ride this out and see what happens. Um, you know, kind of take a break from, from trading. Um, I don't really think that Mike has any assets that he's going to want to move you know, that like his best assets are ones that fit his timeline for the future. Like he doesn't have those kind of older assets that, that selling teams would might look to move. Um, So, you know, any deal he makes is probably going to be bench players and stuff. Um, Unless he wants to, you know, push some chips in and and try and go get a, you know, get a top, top tier asset. But I, I don't necessarily see that. I agree. I think Austin is, you know, a good candidate to buy. Um, I could definitely be pushed to buy. Like I, I, I like the core of my team. Um, but I, I, I think Debo Samuel is one that I would, you know, potentially look to move in a deal, um, you know, to, to, you know, get myself more depth or, you know, add somebody that, that fits my timeline a little bit better. But yeah, I, I don't necessarily see a bunch of great, you know, matches in terms of buyers and sellers. So I could be wrong. The trade deadline always kind of creates a little bit of, you know, uh, uh, anxiety with managers. I think they want to, you know, they they get that itch to deal. I certainly do. Um, You know, I remember, I think it was last year, Josh and I were like talking pretty much down to the wire on a deal. It it didn't actually go through, but we were really considering it. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I I don't expect to expect much though. I don't, like you said, I don't expect much from the top. I think this week specifically, is going to p- play a major role in the decisions of Colin and Mike and on good. Yeah. I think, you know, I think if, you know, if on good puts up just an absolute dud and comes in last again, and it's like, Oh my gosh, he's like, Mike and Colin just gained, you know, three, four points on me each. Like we only have so many weeks left in the season. Like last place is inevitable. Maybe I move off of a Joe Mixon because he actually had a good week last week and maybe he gets another good week this week. So his value's like there. 
and he can yeah. pawn Joe Mixon off on, you know, Sloan for whatever or something like that. But, you know, or Colin posted dud and now he's like, shoot, I'm tied with on good for last. Like, where do I go from here? Or, you know, I know Mike has always disproved of going to Waffle House. Like, maybe he has a crap week. Somebody gets hurt, whatever. And now the race for the bottom just heated up. What do um, you, uh, you think there's any chance that, that Colin gets, you know, ner- you know, gets back from France and gets a little nervous about his Waffle House chances and, and, and sells again, or, or sorry, buys again? I mean, we've already seen Colin kind of panic by a couple times. So yeah. I think it's possible. I also think for him, I mean, two firsts this year. He does not have a first in 2025. Like Devon Achan should be coming back here soon-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Waller just got hurt, so doesn't really help him out much. But I like Evan Ingram as a tight end. He was on a bye this week, so like that's good, but... I mean, going into his starting lineup, like, I feel like he needs to hold on to almost everybody there. Adam Thielen is somebody that, like, is not young on his team and is having an insanely good year. Yeah. That's somebody you got to cash in on. And Yeah. Like, I mean, he – and it's not like you can cash in on him on the offseason because – Yep. We're talking about a dude that's – what is he, 32? 33. Like, 33-year-old white boy. Ain't going to be doing this for much longer, especially when Carolina is trying to, you know, rejuvenate the franchise. So that's a dude that you could potentially get some good value on as a, um, you know, as a push for potentially somebody like Dylan or somebody like Sloan who decide like, hey, I think if I add Thielen, I can really I like my chances more to compete with Josh. And his, yeah. you know, super floor team. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I I think that'll be an interesting team to keep an eye on. I think Austin and Colin are the the teams to teams to watch. Um, I, yeah, it'll be very intriguing to to see what comes of it. Any other uh, trade deadline thoughts? Nope. Good deal. Uh, moving on here. Uh, as we are, you know, a little bit over, um, you know, about a little over the halfway point in our regular season, you know, approaching the the halfway point in the NFL regular season, uh, figured this would be a really, really good opportunity to, to kind of take a look back at our rookie draft um, and give some, you know, uh, uh, you know, arrows up or arrows down uh, to to a couple of the, uh, you know, the the rookies that are that have been selected and just take a look back through at at their outlook and, and, you know, where we drafted. So we'll alternate jumping back and forth here. Um, obviously uh, Josh took Bijan Robinson, number one. I think we're probably on the same page here. He's still number one. He was, he was definitely the right pick. Um, you know, at least in my opinion, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I think it's very frustrating. Um, just like the decisions that are happening in Atlanta of, you know, Bijan gets a tummy ache and he only plays three snaps, which is kind of crappy. But the stuff that he's done on the field this year have been, it's been incredible. He, I think has lived up to the hype that he's been given 
and to produce what he's been producing on a not good offensive team, I think is a testament to his skill. Yeah, I agree. Let's kind of take these next three all together here. You want to run people through these? Yes. Yeah, so, so we hit the quarterback trio: um, Austin, Mike, Mike, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson. Obviously, Anthony Richardson having the season-ending shoulder shoulder surgery since we talked last at the quarterly report is tough. You like what he's done. Um, so I think his arrow is trending up. I agree that he should have been the third quarterback taken right there. C.J. Stroud has more or less continued to look really good. Uh, he's kind of slowed down a little bit uh, in terms of the production that he's had out in Houston, but, um, you know, minimal interceptions as a rookie uh, on that Houston team has been impressive. Bryce Young, I think time will still tell on Bryce. I'm still a big believer in him. I think he's also moving in the right direction. So, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't have any issue with the quarterbacks going right there. I think it's still too early to tell, but I think there's a lot of confidence building amongst those three. Yeah, I agree. I CJ Stroud has been remarkably consistent. I'm impressed with him. I think he's probably the one that I feel the best about out of the three. Anthony Richardson, you know, looked looked awesome. Um, you know, I I I would like you know, my outlook with him, if he can stay healthy, um, I feel for Austin, you know, Bryce Young hasn't quite shown, shown the ability to pop yet, but I, I still think it's a fair pick. So, um, you know, don't, I don't feel too bad about any of those at this point. Uh, Jameer Gibbs. Uh, how do you feel about Jameer? Sloan's got to love uh, Demont being hurt these last couple of weeks and actually seeing that the line, I mean, what we've seen the last two weeks, I feel like, the Lions were hyping this up since the draft. You know, yeah. oh, we we could have taken this guy sixth overall. He gets like six touches week one. Like, really? But now he's out here. I don't even know what it was last game. Like, I want to say he had like 30-some touches, 189 yards. Like, he's scoring touchdowns. He's breaking tackles. He looks electric. Interesting to see how he looks coming out of the bye with – Montgomery coming back and what that kind of tandem is. Do we see more Gibbs in the slot? But, you know, I think, I think that pick is finally paying off for Sloan. And when you get your running backs to be great running backs, like the value there is really, really good. Yep. I agree. It's fun kind of seeing, you know, a lot of these rookies are, are taken off. Like I, you know, especially out of these next, you know, this next round and a half here, like, there's a lot of players that, that, you know, didn't necessarily have a ton of production earlier on that you are finally, you know, you're kind of seeing come to fruition. Yeah. You look at it next with this wide receiver trio, Jordan Addison being the third of the bunch naturally getting drafted by Dylan. We knew he was going to put up some points. Um, but with Justin Jefferson going down, I had my reservations on if he could be a bona fide number one, we're looking at a dude who's seven catches 205 yards, three touchdowns within the last two weeks, like really showing out. Obviously you feel for Kirk Cousins getting hurt. It'd be interesting what he does with Josh Dobbs, but, you know, solidifying himself as a potential, like really solid Batman to Justin Jefferson or Robin to Justin Jefferson's Batman. Um, Jackson Smith, the Jigba is the owner there. Hate to see other players get hurt to cause this, but, you know, um, Tyler Lockett, uh, DK Metcalf, like having some injuries, 
um, kind of being banged up a little bit the last three weeks. JSN has been on the field at least two thirds of the game. Um, we're seeing, you know, five plus targets. He actually caught a touchdown. Like it's nice to see him get involved. And I think he needs to be involved if the Seahawks want to be good. And then unfortunately for on good Quentin Johnston and, uh, my chargers, we just don't like using him period. Um, I will say to, to, as a fan of the Chargers, outside of Keenan Allen, if you look historically at number like wide receivers taken early by the Chargers, they do not get involved early as rookies. Uh, you can look. You can look back at Mike. Mike Williams was the what seventh, ninth pick of the draft when he got taken. I think his rookie year he had maybe like 20 some catches or something like that. Like he just wasn't involved and he was supposed to be the next big guy. And then, you know, obviously had some injuries, but like year two, year three, he's taken off. You look at Josh Palmer from a couple of years ago, who was a third round pick, like got used because of a Mike Williams injury as a rookie, but even then wasn't used a ton last year, doing some good stuff this year, like being involved. So I'd like that Johnston got used much more this past week. Uh, with Palmer kind of having the knee thing, I'm hoping that he continues to get used, mainly because I think he helps the Chargers offensively. But Ongood also needs like a bright spot to look forward to, and I'm hoping he can be that guy. Yeah, I, I, I don't think the you know I don't think Johnston's a bust yet or anything like that. Like I think there's there's still potential there, but it is tough. You know, Ongood could definitely use. Um, a guy like Jordan Addison right now, just to be able to put in his lineup, you know, week in, week out and, and bank on that production. Speaking of uh, two other guys like, you know, that have have completely come out of, out of nowhere to, you know, have some pretty huge weeks. Uh, these next two picks, Colin taking uh, Devon A-Chain and, and Austin taking Will Levis. Uh, talk about two two players that these two managers desperately needed to hit that uh, seem like they're, you know, they're having good starts to their career. I mean, A-Chain, like, looked like a Hall of Fame running back for, you know, for for those weeks that he was healthy. So, um, I, you know, I, I think he can he can get that back. Um, I mean, he put up some absolutely monstrous numbers, like three weeks in a row, 20-plus fantasy points. And the crazy thing, too, is he did it on, on you know, no more than a 60% snap share so like it's not even like he was dominating the backfield he was just absolutely making the most of 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 every touch he had over 11 yards per carry uh you know in those three games really impressive and and uh uh for austin you know a, a manager that was struggling with with his quarterback situation last year like he might he might have himself have himself an option here like levis looked really good in his first start with Four touchdowns, you know, a little bit slower start here tonight on Thursday Night Football. We'll see how things shake out. But, you know, here even at, at what I think is halftime, he's he's got 153 yards passing. That's not a bad, you know, not a bad half uh, from a rookie QB, especially on the road in Pittsburgh. So um, these are two picks that just, you know, they were – this was kind of a uh, one of those tier breaks when we were talking, you know, pre-draft. Um, you know, there's a tier break after six, probably a tier break after – after eight um and these two have really hit i i have been very impressed with those two so far you want to kick off the second round here yeah looking at the second round again like unfortunate reality for on good starting off with charbonnet 
Um, has not gotten much usage at all with Seattle, especially meaningful touches. Uh, I know this past week he outsnapped Kenneth Walker, but Kenneth Walker had a calf injury heading into the week. So that makes sense that they kind of put him on a pitch count. But, you know, from on good standpoint to see the next two guys picked, to see what Zay Flowers has been doing in Baltimore and to see what Dalton Kincaid is now doing in Buffalo. Like, I mean, if I'm on good, like the FOMO is real in terms of like the guys <laughs> I picked and you see immediately after it, like Jordan Addison immediately after his Johnston pick, Zay Flowers immediately after Charbonnet. Like how much different of a season are we talking about for on good if those picks were flip-flopped? Like now Ongood's got two wide receivers and a core that he's really loving and they're giving him almost 10 points a week, pretty standard. Like, I mean, it just like that just goes to show that when it comes to rookies and guys are on, like you've mentioned with the tiers, guys are on the same kind of playing field of stuff. It's all a shot in the dark. Like, yep. you know, unless and you can't predict how guys are going to get used or things like that. Like even Dalton Kincaid, he's taken off because Dawson Knox is on the IR. Yeah. You know, and I, I think it's important to point out too, like the, um, yeah, like, like to your point, how much of a shot in the dark it is, because I don't think any of us in that seventh pick, like some of us might've taken Jordan Addison over Quentin Johnston, but nobody in that spot is picking Devon A chain. We're not picking Will Levis. You know, I, I maybe you pick Zay Flowers, but like, you know, I, I think Quentin Johnston was a very reasonable pick and it just hasn't broken, you know, his direction so far. So um, hopefully that turns around. Um, I'll be curious to see, you know, see what comes of that. But yeah, to your, you know, your point, Zay Flowers, I love Zay Flowers. Like he's such a high floor guy. Um, you know, somebody that that I think you can rely on kind of week in and week out to, to give you production. So um, he's he's one of my favorite players, probably in in Dynasty, um, and he is uh, <laughs> uh, I guess just recently on the trade block. So uh, he's available for pickup, according to Mike. Oh, that's who he put on the trade block. I believe so. I, oh I believe my gosh! So. Yeah, that's crazy. So, um, so yeah, and, and then uh, with the thirteenth pick, uh, Josh takes Dalton Kincaid. Uh, Kincaid has definitely, you know, as you mentioned, broke out. Um, you know, he's, he's starting to look like a stud. He was, he was one that I was really nervous to pick. Just, you know, I don't love the idea of picking a tight end uh, that high in a dynasty draft, but uh, you know, if he continues to produce at this level, it's, it's going to be a steal. Yeah. And rookie, rookie tight ends have a knack for not producing immediately right away, but. Oh, do they? I had no idea. Right. (laughs) Trey McBride. Uh, but I mean, Laporta and Kincaid are kind of showing the the differences there. I mean, Laporta has been at the top. We talked about him week four at the top. Honestly, Dylan, like that Laporta as of right now, strong argument for steal of the draft in terms of immediate production, even long-term like value, um, later on, um, kind of heading into that middle part of the second uh, Josh took Kendra Miller really haven't seen him kind of used how people were speculating. Kamara has been really good and not injured. Um, 
And I mean, he's been an absolute unit and workhorse that Miller really hasn't gotten an opportunity, but you know, honestly, with some of these running backs that you take, it's more so not like, unless you're getting a running back in the first round, really you take running backs in the second and third round. You're just hoping, okay, they're behind an older running back. Maybe an injury happens or I'm looking to what they could potentially be next year. Right. Yeah. Like, does something happen to Kenneth Walker and then it's Charbonnet's time? Does, you know, Khalil Herbert go away and now Roshan Johnson's doing his thing? Does something happen to Alvin Kamara or with his age, is Kendra Miller's like snap share going to go up? So, yeah. Yeah. There, there's always a chance. So far, not much of anything now. But again, I don't, and in the moment and looking back on it, I don't have anything wrong with it. Um, and then we kind of enter another trio of wide receivers that, you know, pick your poison on who you like there. Yeah. What are your, uh, who's your favorite of these three? You want to run the people through who we got here? I mean, my favorite of the three is the one that I have Josh Downs. I actually have two of the three, So, but, uh, my favorite is Josh. I love, you know, I took Zay flowers in this draft as well. Um, Ended up dealing him to Mike with the Cam Akers thing. Cam Akers was a bum. So you look at that trade and it's more or less I got a first and two seconds for Zay Flowers, which I can't complain about that with the direction I put my team in. But I didn't really expect like this much from Josh Downs. I think slot guys as rookies are really nice uh, to kind of move around with and like be a quarterback's friend, especially a young quarterback. But Josh Downs, I mean – Hasn't missed a beat with Richardson. Hasn't missed a beat with Minshew. Uh, Jonathan Mingo really hasn't lived up to much of the hype, but I think his his target share is starting to go up. But He's Austin, some opportunity. yeah, but Austin taking Rasheed Rice, I was definitely skeptical with the whole Rasheed Rice thing, um, but he has turned into someone that Patrick Mahomes enjoys throwing to. Like they've got that rapport. Um, especially in like the red zone area now. Um, I, you know, I know his targets aren't crazy high. It's not like he's putting up eight, nine, 10 targets a game, but like when he's getting targeted, like he's getting open, he's making big time catches and he's becoming a reliable resource for Mahomes. And to say you've got a wide receiver that Patrick Mahomes likes, like nobody would complain about that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I, I think all three of these, you know, Mingo's starting to get a little bit more run now. I think all three of these are pretty good picks. Um, you know, I, I think Mingo could have a second half breakout. I'm, I'm not too worried about him. So, um, and as you mentioned, you know, Dylan gets Sam Laporta. I mean, just God, Dylan had jo- Jordan Addison and Sam Laporta. That's, that's a really awesome draft. So hats off to Dylan. Um, yeah, Sam Laporta looks like a stud. He's, he's a huge steal. Um, he looks like a starting caliber tight end, you know for the next 10 years. Um, Mike, uh, to wrap us up here, Mike takes Roshan Johnson at the 19th pick and and then Dylan takes Tank Bigsby at 20. I will say Roshan Johnson was a player I was hot after in this, in this draft. I really, really wanted Roshan Johnson, especially because I had Khalil Herbert, but uh, I I thought he was going to have, you know, be kind of a surprise, you know, uh, top 15 running back this year in fantasy. And he just really has not gotten the opportunity. He's, you know, has not cracked that, that, you know, starting running back role in, in, in Chicago. And, 
uh, even with uh, Khalil Herbert being hurt now, he's not, you know, it's not like he's, he's jumping up in, in his share. So similar to Kendra Miller, like, you know, jury's still out on him. Like there's, there's still a chance he's, he's a reasonable asset, uh, but not quite the rookie season. I was, I was expecting from him. Uh, Tank Bigsby, nice handcuff. I don't think there's too much else to say, you know, on, on him. Um, looking at the last two rounds real quickly here, um, what picks stand out to you as just, you know, superb, superb selections by, by managers. Uh, Michael Mayer beginning of round three by Colin, um, has started to get some usage. The the different like the quarterback issues going on there, it is what it is. But I honestly think the firing of Josh McDaniels is going to help out Michael Mayer. Um, give Colin somebody to look forward to. Um outside of that first pick in the third. I like we mentioned, Tank Dell. Yeah, we mentioned mm-hmm. Tank Dell as a guy. Luke Musgrave has kind of had his moments. Yeah. Um, God, Sloan drafted a uh, now starting quarterback with the 39th pick. Yeah, but I'm an idiot taking Hendon Hooker and Stetson Bennett. I That's will say true. Michael Wilson in Arizona. Yep. Uh, guess who drafted him? Dylan. Dylan? <laughs> yes. Um, just freaking out of nowhere. Like, oh, hey, I'm going to be the number two wide receiver over Rondale Moore and. You know, not to say he's a big time guy, but I think he's doing more than what anybody expected of him to do this year. Yeah. Um, I think so. Tyje Spears looks like a pretty good pick from from Austin. Like he's, uh, you know, obviously he's still behind Derrick Henry, but like he's involved in that offense. If Derrick Henry gets injured, you know, if he gets traded this offseason, if he if he leaves, mm-hmm. uh, I think he's a free agent after this year. If he leaves in free agency. Yeah, Tyje Spears uh, looks like a really nice pick too. So that's one that I, I hold on to if I'm Austin. Right. So yeah, I agree. The other one, uh, other uh, other picks in this area, you know, haven't quite necessarily turned out. Yeah, I like Jaden Reed too. Uh, Mike picked. He's he's had a decent start to his career as well. So um, yeah, it's been. It, I I I think probably a little bit. Uh, I I would say. I'll, actually, I'm going to change that. A lot better performance from this rookie class than I think I was expecting going into, you know, the the rookie this this year. I thought this was a pretty weak, you know, rookie class. Like we were talking about, like there were pretty much six good players, and then you know we weren't sure after that. But uh, it's it's produced a lot of a lot of you know quality players. Yeah, a lot of quality players and a lot a lot more initial impact than I think any of us expected. You know, we yeah. expected. Bijan to put up numbers. We expected Gibbs. The expectation on like JSN, even Addison and Johnston to an extent. But I mean, everybody we raved on at the back end of the first and second round, like nobody had the expectation that we were going to have dudes pulling out top five RB weeks, top five tight end weeks, top five wide receiver weeks. And, you know, they're doing it. So, you know, shout out, shout out to those rooks. Uh, proving the haters wrong. I agree. I agree. Um, that that I believe wraps up everything that we were looking to talk about. You have anything else you want to touch base on before we wrap? Uh, excited for Week Nine. Um, really, just looking forward to see how things play out. I think trade deadline week, us degenerate fantasy football guys, best time of the year. Um, even if it's quiet, I still am going to get just like 
you know, waiting. It's like a, not like Christmas morning, but, you know, anticipation, like when you're getting in school, getting ready for a break to come up, like oh, one day left, two days left. Like I'm going to be, I see that sleeper notification on my phone. Yep. And I see I that phrase, a trade has been completed. Ooh, yeah. who's doing what? Who sent someone somewhere? You know, even if it's a, even if it's a, a bum for a fourth, like this is this is lining up really well that we get to talk right after the the deadline's over. That'll be a lot of fun. I agree. I'm excited to hear Sloan and Josh's speculation on what they what people will do. Been interested to see yeah. many of either of them tip their hands on guys they're trying to target, or you know how many more of us start tossing players on the trade block. Yeah, no, I know it's gonna. I I I hope for an active couple weeks, even though I expect a quiet couple weeks. Uh, we will we will see where it takes us though. Any any last thoughts? No, good luck to the rest of you. And uh, excited to watch the Chargers on primetime again. Oh yeah, Monday Night I, Football, baby. I will. Uh, before we go real fast, I will apologize to anybody if if my uh, audio quality has been pretty poor. I will say I am doing this podcast uh, without a headset from a quality in in Seymour, Indiana on the free Wi-Fi. So uh, thanks for bearing with me. Hopefully it doesn't sound too bad. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll we'll go ahead and wrap it there. Thanks for listening, guys. It's been an honor. Uh, we will talk to you all in two weeks with some trade deadline recap. See you, boys. Later.